Coach T's new book, The Ultimate Guide to Success for Preteens and Teens, is the perfect resource for preteen and teen personal growth and development skills. It breaks down in detail his Sea of Success program and its applications in 10 key development areas. The program applies Coach T's three key components, simplicity, effort, and attitude. It includes some of his success stories, as well as former and current student testimonials. Order your copy today on Amazon. Available in paperback and hardback. My guest today has been studying and practicing mediation and the art of negotiation for over 20 years. He serves as the founder and principal lead negotiator and strategic solutions specialist at the George Milton Group. He's also spent time in higher education, working with both high school students as well as college students in various roles as an educator, advisor, and administrator. But the reason he's on today is because he's the co-founder of a teen think tank, a student-run policy institute that fosters critical thinking, research techniques, and problem solving skills to develop policy frameworks for real-life issues and empower students to become future change makers. Please help me welcome Matt DeSantis to Development Tomorrow's Leaders. How are you doing today, Matt? Coach, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to have you. Now, I will just mention right off the bat that Matt and I connected. Actually, he sent a message on LinkedIn thanking me for liking my content on TikTok. And I'm like, well, who's this guy liking on TikTok? So I go and look and I see Team Think Tank. I say, man, this has got to be somebody I got to connect with. So we send messages back and forth. One thing led to another, and here we are. So, again, thank you so much for taking the time. And I really want to give you, let you start off, tell us a little bit more about you. And if you want to elaborate a little bit more on um, your bio that I just mentioned, that'd be great. Probably the, the most important thing about me, the most important thing about what I'm doing is it's, it's really born out of a, a, a personal passion, a personal realization, and like, real life frustrations. Um, we, we are all living in this world and, and trying to navigate this, you know, primor primordial soup that we're living in. And um, I would just say that over the last five, six, seven years, it's gotten harder and harder and harder, not just to, not just to work and, and, and advance and, and thrive in this environment, um, but it's, it's gotten hard enough to survive. I really got to a, a, to a, a kind of a cross in the road, 2019, 2020, when I was fully vested in a, in a 20 year career in um, conflict resolution by trade, I'm a mediator. And I spend my time um, helping people solve problems. And it, it's always been an uphill, battle you know there's plenty of conflict in the world right yeah, hell yeah but four or five years ago prior to, to four or five years ago um there was kind of like a, a societal agreement that no matter what differences we have if we get around a table and we each have the ability to present our case we can come to a mutually beneficial solution I think that's most of our experience, right? We've all been, whether it's in the playground or the neighborhood or family um, dining room, 
we get to that point where we're willing to resolve our, our conflict. And for whatever reason, and, and you can subscribe uh, any number of geosocial political causes to this, but five or six years ago, that changed. That changed and people weren't willing to solve problems and people weren't willing to listen to one another. And when your sole responsibility is to get people to come to a table and find a mutually beneficial solution, um, and they're not willing to do that anymore, it, you're in big trouble. Yeah. It'd be like you roll out a, a basketball onto a court and all of a sudden uh, the five guys on your team decided they just refused to shoot. There's no explanation. There's no rhyme or reason. They just decided that a fundamental aspect of the game was going to be removed and, and nobody could could change their mind. And, and that's what it was like in, in the professional ranks. And, and it became almost insurmountable task to get individuals to come to a mutually beneficial resolution. That's work and that's fine and like nobody says your job's got to be easy nobody says it's going to be fun but what i started to notice was that was spilling over into my personal life that was starting to spill over into personal relationships and people that you used to be able to disagree with but move on and continue on positive momentum and, and formulating and, and strengthening relationship bonds um, that was no longer commonplace. And individuals became very interested in broadcasting their thoughts and their opinions. But nobody was interested in making listening, in receiving as a full-time endeavor. And it became very frustrating. And, and at that point, I, I just was looking for solace. I was looking for harbor, a safe harbor, which I, you know, could relieve all these frustrations, both personally and professionally. And I couldn't find it. And I couldn't find it. And there's a, a saying that stuck with me uh, for years and years. And it's, if you're the smartest person in the room, you better go find another room. And I found myself constantly looking for another room. And in that room, I wanted somebody who appreciated conflict resolution, somebody who appreciated progress, somebody who appreciated conversation, and, and I couldn't find it. And I moved from room to room to room. And um, eventually, I found myself in a high school, because there were no other doors left to open. And I found a receptive audience. And I said, guys, here, listen, here's my problem. Uh, nobody's willing to listen. I, I see lots of problems. And I think we can solve these problems. Um, but I, I can't do it alone. I need people to 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 come together. Uh, but nobody's willing to listen. And they all just kind of sat back in their chairs and kind of smiled and said, hey, man, welcome to our world. Welcome to being a teenager, because that's what it's all about. Uh, we see the same problems you see. Uh, and we also have ideas on how to solve those. But nobody's willing to listen. And I said, all right, well, I'll listen. I'll make a deal. Um, I'll listen. And not only will I listen, I'll facilitate a platform um, in which you can develop your voices, you can make the contacts that are necessary um, in order for people to take you seriously, and I can help you create and document frameworks and structures that look to answer these problems. So when you're 
you know, 47-year-old guy just, you know, struggling with the daily, uh, the daily grind, um, you'll at least have a platform that you can point to and say, listen, I've been working on this for my entire life. And I want you to take me seriously because we have to solve these problems. And by the way, as a teenager, um, we didn't create any of them. So uh, why don't you give us the opportunity to at least fix what we're going to inherit? Yeah. And as they say, the rest is history. And that is what I see clips of on TikTok with the kids going on doing their pieces. Um, I've been seeing a lot of those and actually listening to them and one of the first things I noticed is, you know, they're not just up there going through the motions. You can tell that they're presenting something that they put time and effort into. True? Yeah, our teams are special. Um, and, and I say that with all sincerity. They are not just aspiring leaders or aspiring change agents. They're, they're leaders. They're team leaders. They are team change agents. Um, they are out there trying to make something happen. And that's probably the, in, in explaining who we are and what we're all about, uh, that's probably the biggest hurdle that we have. It's trying to explain to adults that we have this able-bodied roster of agents of change who are actively doing work. We're not here teaching them. We're not teaching them anything. We're facilitating all of the things that they may or may not need in order to elevate their voices and make active change. Um, but they're doing it. It's the real deal. And how many kids do you have in your program currently? So uh, we're we're kind of like the teamsters in the sense that once a member, always a member right. kind of situation. Um, but at any given time, we have an active group of uh, research associates and we have an alumni base. All told, we have uh, approximately 40 members uh, in our community. So yeah. that counts alumni and, and, and current think tank um, research associates which is, is what we call them because, um, you know, yes, they are students. They're, they're, they're high school students. Uh, you need to be um, at least a, a freshman in high school um, to enroll in our program. And they are teens, but they're, they're more than the sum of those parts. They're, they're research associates um, and they're engaged in our program to do work. Um, and therefore, we, we treat them and, and view them and, and engage with them as such. And, do you, and I'm pretty sure that based on what you just shared with me, that they're so receptive that they put forth even more effort because they're in an environment that they know that they are the difference makers. Absolutely. That's, right? At 100%. There is a, a community that, that we, we not only want to foster, but need to foster. Right there at the end of the day, they're 14, 15, 16 year old, 17 year old teenagers. So we'd be irresponsible if we didn't provide them some safety, some soft landing spots when things go awry. But they are fully engaged. 
Um, they are fully receptive and they understand the platform in which they are being uh, provided access to. So they make the most of that opportunity and they feed on positive momentum. They, they, they feed on positive feedback. Um, so the more we treat them like colleagues, the more we treat them like peers, the more they act like peers. Yeah. And it's not one of those situations where we're giving them a script on how to do it. This is a, you know, I, I want to say a, you know, a trial and error process, a, a live and learn situation. There's no script to the program that we run. We're a think tank. We, we, we recruit high potential teams and let them be high potential teams while giving them access based on, you know, our professional experience and our backgrounds and our access to activists and advocates and thought leaders. So, you know, it's not as if we're just, you know, taking um, a bunch of smart kids and putting them in a room and say, hey, be smart. We understand you gotta you 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 um, you have to foster what you want to grow. And based on what you just shared in that part, knowing it's to me, it sounds like it's more of uh, I won't say word elite, but it's a special group of kids. So, what is the process for kids to get into the team think tank? I mean, it's not like God. Oh, I want to sign up. I want to be a part of this. There's a process, is there not? Yeah, there's a process, and they they uh, elite is a is a is a good word. Um, high potential is what we we characterize them as. Um, those individuals who are either uh, succeeding or have the ability, ability and passion to succeed if they were given the proper tools. Um, so we we recruit as much as we field interest because we do want, you know, a certain level um, of commitment, a certain level of passion, but that's subjective, you know, in most ways. Um, yes, GPAs are nice and, and listen, the, our collective program GPA out of a 4.0 might be a 3.92 or, or something ridiculous like that, um, but that's not something that we look at right away. Um, yes, most of our students are honor or, or AP level students, um, but also all of our students do community service. All of our students are engaged in, a, um, in, a, in extracurricular activities, multiple extracurricular activities on a meaningful level. I'm not just talking about, you know, signing up for, you know, blood bank and, you know, given three hours on the weekend um, and, and calling it uh, an extracurricular activity. They're, they're engaged. Um, so we look to recruit those students. Um, in addition, we are um, fielding a, a great number of independent self-driven students who are finding us. You'd be surprised at how many teenagers Google think tank projects for teenagers. It, it's incredible. I had no idea what a think tank was, till, uh, at least in college um, and, and maybe even law school. But uh, these 15, 16, 17-year-olds are um, Googling think tank and summer educational activities and projects, and they are finding us. And they apply. It's a merit-based program. They um, go through a, a, 
an application process is very similar in, in spirit to a uh, to the college application process. We have a lot less formality. We don't check transcripts. Everything's self-reported. Um, you know, letters of recommendation are secondary to one-on-one -on -one interviews, and we really try to get the essence of the student. Um, but they are applying and, for lack of a better word, competing for um, a limited number of spots in a, um, in a sessions research cohort. Um, the research cohorts run on a trimester, and they are limited to 12 students per cohort. So you're talking about a highly selective process, um, and it is a tuition-based process. It's a tuition-based program as well. So that adds another layer um, to the, the complexity of joining our ranks, um, and uh, it's, it's tough. But our goal is to provide access to, um, to students who would benefit from our program. And we try to do, do our best to make sure that those students um, can apply, are enrolled, um, and succeed in, in our framework. Well, I like the fact that you don't put all of the weight on GPA and like you said, on letters of re uh, recommendation, because that one-on-one -on -one interview, you can, you'll be able to decipher right away if what you hear is what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, but what you need to know as far as that potential student being a candidate for your program. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's amazing. The amount of students who apply versus the amount of students who apply and engage in the admissions interview. Now, we don't make that mandatory. We make it highly recommended. We try to emphasize it, and we emphasize it a lot. You know, if you read between the lines, schedule that admissions interview because it's very important, um, but we don't require it because we understand there are different comfort levels and students have different ways of expressing themselves. We try to meet the student where they are. Of all the students who have applied and participated in the admissions interview, 100% of those students have been admitted to the program. Ah. And it really tells us something about those students. And it really separates them from their counterparts. And it gives us an idea of the true potential of that student and they understand that they have a role in their own destiny. As a program who is vested in facilitating leaders who are going to hopefully potentially fix the future I'm gonna be an old man in, I'm gonna, an older man in, yeah. <laughs> I want that student who knows how to speak up for his or her own interests. 100% of the time they get into our program. Maybe, maybe that says something more about us. Maybe we're a sucker for a, you know, a good, <laughs> motivated, well-spoken student, but um, I think it speaks more for uh, about them. them. No, no, I think it does too. And I, I think you appreciate the fact that when they go through that process, you already know that they're a viable candidate. It's all about the intangibles. 
which you never know about until you either, you know, go through your process and getting that interview, if it's face-to-face or not, Um, but it's a commitment level too. But I want to ask you more about the actual program itself, you know, and and what the kids do in the program. Yeah, so it's intense. It it really is. Uh, It's a 12-week program. Um, There are a few prerequisites, and, and as we... Um, get feedback from students and, and, and um, the curriculum evolves. We learn what, where things should be and, and how they should be presented. So as time has gone on, we've developed a few prerequisites um, and, and asked some students to um, do a little work before they get to us. Um, but I, again, it's, you know, it's three, four, five hours worth of work before you start the program. It's, it's it's not um, laborious by any means. But once you do get into the program, once the clock starts ticking, um, 60 hours of commitment over a 12-week period, we meet three hours a week. Typically, that's two 90-minute sessions. This is modeled after a traditional college experience. Um, you know, you, you joked before getting started uh, you made a note of my um, my allegiance to Syracuse University, um, and I wear it proud. I wear it loud, and I I give my experience there all the credit in um, my own personal development, my own professional development. I loved college. I loved the college experience, not just the social aspect of it. I love the academic experience of it. I was a I was a middling high school student. I went to, to a renowned all boys prep school here in New Jersey. It was very competitive, but I was still at best a B student. Um, you know, I went to college, graduated with honors, and still had a, a social life. So that experience was very important to me. So I wanted to replicate some of those, at least the logistics and operational components around that experience and implement that in our program so our research associates understood that yes by being part of the program you are probably the best of the best you are probably a you know top 10 percent student you are probably national honor society but there's a whole world outside of what you are used to and you're going to be entering it in the next phase of your life. So, so let's try to give you some access to that. So that's how we, we structured the program. Um, it's three contact hours a week for those 12 weeks, plus an additional you know, one to two to three hours of prep work um, outside. Honestly, we could probably use more. But again, you know, 15, 16-year-old uh, students who have got a lot going on, and we want to, um, we want them to flourish. We, we, we want to put them in a position to succeed. Once you are in the program, um, the first two or three weeks are spent on what we refer to as um, our foundational elements. And those are the skills that you are going to use for the rest of your life. It's teamwork and leadership. It's um, communication style. It is research, it is decision-making, it's service learning. And we have um, members of our staff 
who are experts in those realms, and they are individuals who come in and, and um, provide some context to each of those areas. Again, we don't teach, um, but we give some insight, we give access, and we allow the students to understand what goes in to the finished product that they ultimately aspire to, whatever that is. After that, by this point, the, the students have gotten a, uh, a pretty good sense of, of who they are individually and what they need to do as a group. So over the next six weeks or so, we spend about 18 to 20 hours diving into a subject um, that they are individually and collectively passionate about. Now, like that college registration or scheduling aspect, this, the research associates come into the program already identifying the area that they are interested in. So, for example, um, this past winter, we had a health equity cohort. So students registered for that particular program. Um, and during the you know, six to eight weeks in the middle of the program, dove in and became subject matter experts in the area of health equity and access to care, which meant learning about our healthcare system, which meant dissecting the impediments that are preventing equitable access to care. And it meant understanding how to discuss those issues. Right, not just create a bunch of talking points and and you know go off to to you know family picnics and Thanksgiving uh, dinners and argue with you know Uncle Ed about why we need a more accessible healthcare in the, uh, industry in America. It, it's about understanding their role in bringing about change and to help them do that, we bring in subject matter experts, um, activist advocates, uh, individuals in that field to talk about economic impediments and social impediments and legal impediments and understand what is in place that is preventing these quote unquote common sense solutions. While that is going on, the students are creating questions and, and doing research and listening to podcasts and reading books about these issues that they have self-identified as important aspects of the discussion. And then over the last three or four weeks, it's a sprint to the finish. It's a sprint to create content, right? We're a, we're a content-based world now. And if these students want to make a change, if they want to be heard, um, they have to create something people are interested in seeing, listening to, and reading. And at the end of 12 weeks, not only are these students walking away with what is clearly a capstone experience, but also the opportunity to have their voices heard, not only by the individuals who played a role in helping them create this framework, but their friends, families, teachers, members of the community, members of our Team Think Tank Project community, uh, People at large who come in and want to see a webinar, want to see a presentation about the state of healthcare in America. 
That is that's pretty deep. Um, the commitment level, I think, is what what astounded me when you first told me about it. But also, I love the fact that kids are that committed to something that they're passionate about and are willing to put in that time and extra effort. Now, one of the questions I was going to ask you, and going back to what I mentioned earlier about the, uh, the TikToks that I've been seeing, are those parts of their projects that they're reporting when I see those? For the overwhelming majority of the content that, that, is, on, um, that is on our social media, especially TikTok, um, that those are clips from, we call them the policy launch parties. Okay. And those are clips directly taken from there. There's a okay. bunch of stuff we're trying to do to, to give those students um, a, a literal platform and, and allow them to, to have a voice. But the majority of what you're seeing um, are repurposed clips from, from their uh, formal work together. Now, the other uh, thing I was going to ask you about in regards to the program, I think you mentioned when you bring in um, professionals to come in as, uh, as support for the cohort. Can you share with us some of uh, areas and particular people, if you can? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's my favorite part of the program because the response that these individuals get from our students um, is palpable. I'm watching reactions. And probably the, the greatest example of that is former NBA player and, and current um, activist Mahmoud Abdurraouf. Uh, he came in, uh, the very first cohort that we ran was a um, program that looked at uh, racial equity through the lens of athlete protest. And um, it, was, it was inspired by, uh, by a book about Colin Kaepernick um, written by a, a journalist named Michael Freeman. And uh, I believe the book is Football's unsung heroes or football's fabulous activists or, or something along those lines. And it was based on the story of, of Colin Kaepernick's journey and, and really, really dove into um, the nuts and bolts of the situation and, 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 and why this athlete um, became a pariah and essentially blackballed from the league. And it wasn't necessarily what we saw. There was a lot of behind the scenes and there was a lot of economic factors and social factors and legal factors that perpetuated this, this, this social injustice. And the more we uh, dove into it, um, the more we were seeing the parallels between Colin Kaepernick and Mahmoud Abdurraouf um, back in the in, in the mid to late '90s, and those um, of your audience who who aren't familiar um, with his story and his journey, Chris Jackson um, was a outstanding college basketball player. I went to LSU, grew up in Mississippi, single mother, I believe, maybe was a you know a high school dropout, and um, he, uh, Chris um, was an outstanding basketball player who used athletics to, to get to college and, and, and realize his dream of playing professional basketball and rise out of poverty of, of rural Mississippi. Um, during his, his life and time at LSU, 
he became a devout Muslim, changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. And uh, at some point in, I believe it was 1996, 97, um, had a bit of a spiritual and, and crisis of, of conscience and began silent protests during the national anthem. It was a media firestorm and he became under, he came under great scrutiny and uh, ultimately came to a compromise with the NBA on how to, how to coexist is probably the, the best way I could say it. Um, but shortly after that, uh, he was blackballed from the NBA and, and he came in and he participated in one of the most engaging, heartfelt, inspirational conversations with this this group of of uh, of teenagers um, that I'd ever been part of. And and as a matter of fact, as I'm as I'm talking about this now, um, in the pre podcast conversations we had, I think there was a question somewhere um, that you had posed. Who inspires you, or or who oh, you influence. look up to? Yeah, influence. who influences you? And, yes. and I left that question blank because it wasn't it wasn't required. So I left it blank, and and um, I, I think I did a disservice to Mahmoud by not filling that question out because um, not only did he come in and inspire this group of research associates and change agents um, to do better, be better, think differently. Um, he had that same impact on on me. And um, any time I come across something uh, that he's doing or um, has written or said, I consume it. It it was super meaningful. If he was the only person who came to speak to us, our program would have been a success. But we have individuals, um, Essence Carson, WNBA uh, champion and Rutgers University Hall of Famer, Dr. Richard Lapchick, um, who is an award-winning social activist and, and educator, close personal friends with um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and was a close personal, close personal friend with uh, Muhammad Ali and had worked with them in the 60s on a number of civil rights um, activities. Um, we have had professors, uh, Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Professor Donna Gallup, who is a, a social work professor at Susan Pacific University. Um, we have had members of the United Way come to speak with us. Donald, uh, Dr. Laura Hazelden, who is the director of Impact in Healthcare. You name it. If they are a expert in their field who is reasonably accessible. They have they have praised us by by participating in their uh, in our programming. Have have you had anybody or or is there anybody on your list that you would like to have in that you haven't had yet that that's possibly on your list to reach out to besides me? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what we are just ramping up our climate change cohort and Greta Thunberg, obviously, um, it you know is top of mind. Yeah. In terms of accessibility, that's certainly um, reaching for the stars. But what I found is once people learn about our program and really understand what, what they're doing, they are by more gracious than, than I could even uh, imagine. And they buy into 
into our programming and what we're doing. And a great example of that, we go back to the to the TikTok to the TikTok connection. There is a, an influencer on there, uh, Christy PRN. She is a uh, uh, healthcare patient advocate, and she was all over all over my for you page, as they say. Um, for weeks and months and months, I reached out and said, hey, listen, uh, you know, I see you, you do this patient advocacy work and, you know, you got a million followers and like you're blowing it up. I think our students would really benefit from from hearing you not only as an authority, but but an activist, an advocate who is who, who is visible. And she was gracious from the start. But obviously, when you get a cold call. And people are asking of your time. There's a hesitancy, right? Can I commit to it? Do I have enough time? Is this worth my while? And we get that and we understand that. But as I said, from the beginning, Christy was, was gracious beyond belief and agreed to come and speak and spoke. Then was nothing but complimentary and supportive and just totally committed to our students in their pursuits uh, as it as it pertained to health equity you make time for those people and it's a good feeling on both sides of the street absolutely and, and that's why you and i have this conversation is it was um your first uh comment uh, on linkedin to me but then you know our connection on uh tiktok because i'm still relatively new on there you know Took me a while to get on. My wife kind of kept pushing, pushing, pushing me, and it's just the best thing she could have done. And I'm still getting familiar with it. It was a misconception that it wasn't for the space that you and I are, are working in. And I've come to find out that it is because it's just like any other platform. There's a little bit of everything for everybody. It's just a matter of doing due diligence and making the connections when they present themselves. But networking is also a big part of it as well. And again, that's why we're having this conversation. And like I said, there's a couple of people that I definitely want to connect you with I think will be beneficial to the team think tank as well. Well, Matt, I, I tell you, we are close on our time, but um, you answered the other question is about the influencer, but you gave credit where credit was due in that regard as who is the most, uh, someone that's influenced you. But I would love for you to share with us um, how they can follow the team think tank and get in contact with you if they want to um, find out more or potentially be a part of the team think tank. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, our website has a, a comprehensive portfolio of information, work, contact information, media, you name it. it it's a pretty good place to start. Um, it's teamthinktankproject.com. Um, you can reach me personally, my personal email. Um, it's mdesantis at teamthinktankproject.com, just like it sounds. Contact information is all on the website. You can certainly certainly grab it there. We are trying to make our presence felt on social media. You find us on most uh, platforms at teen underscore think tank, uh, with the exception of the aforementioned TikTok, which would be at teen think tank, all, all one word. Our students are our best uh, example of what we do and, and, and how we do it. And I, I encourage everybody to, to check out our social media, look at, at what our students are doing and, and, and where they're going and the work that they have done. Um, and that's all accessible through, through all those channels. And, and you can see what they're doing. And, you know, a uh, five minute rabbit hole will get you where you need to go. 
people people don't have any any problem searching the internet so you started our website you started our social media you'll get to all the places you want to be i promise you uh that that's the best way to do it too if you get it all on your website everybody can kind of funnel from there but i definitely enjoy what i'm seeing on tiktok and it's 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 for me, it's very enjoyable to see the commitment level. And it's, it's not just kids on, on a camera doing their thing. You can tell they're, they're committed to what they're doing. And, and I, I appreciate it. I appreciate what you do. And we need more people like you doing it. Coach, I appreciate you. Listen, the, the collective work we are doing in, in this small niche of, of education and, and social development and team development, it can be a lonely place sometimes. You know, but it, it connecting connecting with you specifically and and the folks that are in your network um, make make me want to keep doing this. Make me know that I'm on the right path. I'm the you know I'm the firstborn male of of a family of six. I thrive on positive reinforcement. And I thrive on somebody else telling me that at least I'm on the right track and, and you and your community certainly do that. So any of your listeners um, or, or followers or, or individuals, feel free to reach out to, to me personally. And, and um, if you've got a student, if you've got a school, if you've got questions, I'd love to talk about it. I could, I could talk about this for, for days as, as evidenced by, by this podcast, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's not, listen, and it's called passion, my friend. That's what, uh, and by the way, I haven't said this in the last few episodes, but all my guests are also become a, a part of my village of inspiration because that's what I'm creating. And, and then you're in de- definitely a, a member of that as of this day. But I want to thank you so much for your time and also sharing so much about the Team Think Tank, uh, Think Tank, which I think is a phenomenal project. I wish you nothing but continued success. And I hope to be contributing to that success by connecting with some people that I think are going to be do some tremendous work for you as well. Coach, appreciate it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. As always, I'm Coach T. I'm here to educate, support, and inspire the next generation of leaders. Until next time, take care. Coach T's new book, The Ultimate Guide to Success for Preteens and Teens, is the perfect resource for preteen and teen personal growth and development skills. It breaks down in detail his SEA of Success program and its applications in 10 key development areas. The program applies Coach T's three key components, simplicity, effort, and attitude. It includes some of his success stories, as well as former and current student testimonials. Order your copy today on Amazon. Available in paperback and hardback.